Welcome to True Mysteries, Stories of the Strange and Unexplained. I'm your host, Kit Crum, and as I mentioned yesterday, I'm giving away one of my thrillers, Body Parts. And all you have to do is contact me at kitkcrum at gmail.com and tell me you want a copy of this book, and I'll send you a code to get your free audio version of Body Parts. This is a Ryan Clare adventure series. Now, it should have been just another routine call for Ryan Clare Anderson, owners and operators of a private ambulance service in Ashland, Oregon. But when the DOA they delivered to the hospital goes missing, their routine turns deadly. Greedy doctors involved in black market organ harvesting, innocent girls lured into the lucrative, dangerous world of triple X-rated films, sex, murder, and deception in a small Oregon town. It's all here in Body Parts, and it's there for you for free. A free audio version. Contact me at kitkcrum at gmail.com. Tell me you want a copy of your free copy of Body Parts. I'll send you a code via email with instructions how to use it to get your free copy, audio version copy, of my novel Thriller Body Parts. Now, Ray, what have you got for us? Oh, well, Kit, first I want to state a few things about how I validate my stories. This is probably one of the strangest stories I have ever encountered. My stories have ranged from vampire sightings in Oregon to flying saucers in a schoolyard in Australia. I've validated each story I've done. Remember, I'm going to have over 400 in my book that comes out in October. Paranormal Reader's Bedside Companion. So I've done a lot of validating. I've validated each story with research that involved police or FBI, correspondence with first-hand witnesses, and occasionally I've talked with individuals that experienced the unbelievable event in the rare, really rare event that I consult the internet, I will locate three sources who do not know each other but have cooperating testimonial. During research processes, I've been told to cease and desist by law enforcement. I've been hung up on. I've received emails telling me to back off. For the most part, the reasons have been that the individuals or the family member doesn't want to rehash details of what to them was a disturbing event. Now, where did Billy go? is by far, as I mentioned, the most bizarre story I've ever run across. Completely validated. Because it is so unbelievable, I've decided to relate the steps I've taken in an effort to make sense of it all. This is basically the story of an 11-year-old boy who vanished from just outside Tucson, Arizona while performing in front of 22 adult witnesses. He was discovered 72 hours, that's three days later, wandering across a Civil War battlefield 1,500 miles distance in southwestern Tennessee. The site was the Shiloh National Military Park. He was discovered by a tourist taking a tour who identified a distant figure as looking like a child. Okay, more on this in a minute. It all started when I was scouring some 37-year-old FBI files. I hadn't looked at in a long time hoping to find something intriguing when I noticed under the child abduction section the case involving a young boy. He had been abducted in 1982 from his Arizona residence and located in southwestern Tennessee, wandering in a state park three days later. What caught my eye is that this wasn't marked as a kidnapping, and there was no ransom call. The FBI were brought in when the child was discovered in another state, which is standard operating procedure. 
I managed to get my hands on a heavily redacted police report. Now, remember, anything this old, and this was 37 years old plus, uh, has been archived and is available on a special website that I have access to. Anyway, the report related how the victim and four other children were in a field performing jumps and bike tricks on their Stingray bicycles. Again, this is quite a while back. The report described that the children had built a ramp, and each would perform a jump over a stack of tires. Twelve tourists visiting the nearby town of Oatman, Arizona, and 22 residents, including the children's parents, were in attendance, seated on homemade bleachers. The victim was the last to make the jump. His bike crashed on the other side of the tires, but he wasn't there. He had vanished. Before I go any further, you need to know that police and FBI reports made available to the public and investigators like myself are cryptic, to say the least, heavily abbreviated and redacted, especially when a child's involved. Often there are more blackened lines than there are complete sentences. I contacted as many of the residents of what is virtually a ghost town of Oatman, Arizona, as I could. Of 12 phone calls and several emails, I had one hit. After 15 minutes of small talk, Mrs. Jones said she remembered the incident written up in the paper and said the boy's name was Billy something. I promised not to use her name. That's why Mrs. Jones. She also confided that I should talk to William H. Howard, who she thought saw the boy vanish. Another couple phone calls, and I located Mr. Howard in an assisted living center outside Apache Junction, Arizona. He was 94 years old, but very alert, and after much probing, was able to remember Billy's last name. Falstaff, he said, like the beer. Okay, Billy Falstaff. After contacting the county sheriff's department and the FBI, well, these were located in Phoenix and coming up empty, my next move was to contact the folks that oversee the tours of the Shiloh State Military Park in Tennessee, where Billy was found. Again, nothing. With no other ideas, I reluctantly decided to bag the story. Four days later, after making that decision, I received an email from Escondido, Escondido, California, wanting to know how my investigation into Billy Falstaff was going. The email came from a woman whose father had passed away recently. Two events prompted her to contact me. First, at the funeral, were several reenactors of the Battle of Shiloh who were on the tour when Billy was spotted, and they had heard about my inquiries and they related them to her. Second, while going through her father's notes, files, and journals, she discovered that he was the doctor that treated Billy. Treated Billy? Okay. At this, I assumed that the boy might have been treated for shock, and said, rather than emailed as much. Her response knocked me out of my chair. Her father had removed a Civil War-era mini-ball from the boy's upper right thigh. I emailed back asking if she meant bullet. Her response was an emphatic no. It was a mini ball, and she had found it wrapped in wax paper stapled to the top of the journal explaining the injury. I asked her if she could take a picture of the journal and the mini ball and send it to me as an attachment in my email. And she did. This was just getting better and better. I punched Billy's age into my calculator, added the elapsed 37 years, from the 1982 to 2019 to come up with his current age of 48, but stopped short of putting the calculator away. He vanished April 6, 1982, exactly to the day April 6, 1862, 120 years since the Battle of Shiloh, 
I had to find Billy. Assuming he'd been taken back to Arizona, I ran a check on the name Falstaff. I only found one in the region, and the individual had no connection. Through a contact with law enforcement NCIC, it was checked. One William Falstaff was in Marion Penitentiary, a medium-security federal prison in Illinois. My problem? Prisons are notoriously tight-lipped when it comes to giving out information about prisoners. I submitted a form requesting physical characteristics and scars and received a brief description that could have been anyone, but was rewarded when the description included a scar on the right upper thigh that had faded and was thought to have been caused by something prisoner was quite young as a boy. Well, this was my boy, but I figured I'd taken the story about as far as I could go. My last effort at communicating with him was a, a letter addressed to William Falstaff, care of Marion Federal Prison, 4500 Prison Road. I received a response 12 hours later, but not from William. A man of few words emailed me asking what my interest in William Falstaff was. Through several emails, I determined I was communicating with an FBI agent. William had escaped just days after my form was received requesting a physical description. Now, I'm going to stop here because it just gets more and more bizarre, and I keep on validating, and the end of this story will really shock you and make you wonder if it is indeed true, and it is. So at this point, kid, it's back to you. Thank you, Ray, and I can't wait until Monday to hear the rest of the story about where did Billy go? A child that disappeared from Oatman, Arizona, and ended up 1,500 miles away in just three days in the Shiloh battlefield. Okay, I have a book to give away. I want to read the description to it. This is one of my thrillers. It's called Body Parts, and I'll read you a little synopsis. It is the book one in the Ryan Clare Adventure series. Now, it should have been just another routine call for Ryan Clare Anderson, owners and operators of a private ambulance service in Ashland, Oregon. But when the DOA they delivered to a hospital goes missing, their routine turns deadly. Greedy doctors involved in black market organ harvesting, innocent girls lured into the lucrative, dangerous world of triple X-rated films, sex, murder, and deception in a small Oregon town. It's all here in body parts, and it's all waiting for you. You can go to my uh, website, kitcrumb.com, and take a look at the cover and read the synopsis, a little bit longer synopsis there. And then contact me at kitkcrum at gmail.com telling me you want a free audio version of that novel, Body Parts. And I will send you via email a code and instructions how to use it. It's pretty simple to get access to a free audio version of Body Parts. This is Kit Crumb and Ray Ruckus saying thanks for listening. Be sure to listen Monday to find out the conclusion to Ray's story about Billy Falstaff. Thanks for listening.